We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. You're going to follow me on Twitter, and it's Monday, January 30th, and you know what we do on Mondays? Bring in James McCool. Mondays with McCool. James McCool, the co-author with me on the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com, as well as the, the advanced players course, which includes James's custom Excel tools, which we'll be talking a little bit about today. Good morning to the chat. What does defect Daniel Hutchings, Matt Mears, Matt Kajeski. Give me those thummy thumbs. You know how much I like those in the morning. Wakes me up. Wakes me up. So hit that thumbs up. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. James. Tools. I want to talk about tools. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. not not idiots. Right, not my people ask stupid questions. They're tools also, but we offer in the theory of daily fantasy sports for advanced players a bunch of these. Uh, we call the custom DraftKings tools, although they do work for FanDuel, but they're designed primarily for for DraftKings, such as a single lineup optimizer, lineup simulator, portfolio trimmer, portfolio correlation matrix the duplication checker, the contest reviewer, the contest history analyzer. Uh, and I've showed off a bunch of this stuff on the show the past couple of months. Uh, but the purpose of tools, the purpose of, yeah, hey, the line, uh, lineup HQ, right? The purpose of lineup HQ. Now, obviously, lineup HQ, you know, contains like all the projections. Like you don't need necessarily the tool, Right. Like I could just download the CSV of all the projections from Rotogrinders. We have a we have a table, we have a page with all with all this information on it already. But obviously, if you want to build lineups in bulk or quicker, or have a certain, you know, types of lineups you want to see, I mean, obviously doing it by hand is going to take a pretty long time. So I always consider tools to have one of two purposes. One efficiency, two accuracy. But in an, in in a, from a macro level, tools aren't necessarily there to like. Here's the right answer. Like I put in the magic settings, and there you go. You solved everything. What do you consider the purpose of tools? Uh, so I look at tools have different different purposes, right? Um. Most of the time, what you're doing when you're developing a tool or putting something together, uh, you're trying to make your process more efficient one way or another. So uh, when you look at what an optimizer is, an optimizer is a tool that makes you more efficient at building your lineups. It doesn't mean that it's giving you the best lineups, period. Like it's giving you the highest median projected lineups, but you can do that yourself too. Like you can hand build that stuff. That There's no problem with that. Same thing as a calculator. Um, it, it's just a tool that makes it so that you are faster and more efficient at putting things together in the way that you want to, uh, for your entire portfolio to attack slate or for one lineup, even if you're just optimizing one lineup, if that's what your purpose is, then your purpose is just to efficiently create that one lineup, um, make it as quickly as possible and replicate your own process and your own, um, preferences using a tool. So 
a lot of the time it has to do with efficiency. Sometimes it has to do with um, finding trends or looking for patterns that you as a person can't pick up, you know, as easily or at all. Uh, something that the portfolio correlation matrix aims to achieve is something that I think a lot of people struggle to do just ad hoc and, and without a tool. Um, looking at how many of your lineups are correlated between two certain players so that you're not overexposing yourself to those specific players, right? So uh, that's the other purpose of the tool, I think, is to find things, specifically patterns that humans are really, really bad at picking up. So and we're not talking about patterns in like player performance. We're talking no. about patterns in lineup building. So for instance, you mentioned the portfolio correlation matrix. Like that's one of the, to me, one of the most useful tools in the theory mm -hmm. of DFS. I use it for two purposes. The main purpose is to inspect your own lineup portfolios to make sure that the diversification that you want is aligned with with your lineups so that the common example we we, we give is like in baseball mm -hmm. where it's like i want to play 50 percent of this pitcher and 50 percent of that pitcher right people use exposures to they go like they build with a lineup builder too much through exposure not and not look at specific lineups so let's say pitcher a 50 percent pitcher b 50 percent like you could have 50 percent of both and have them and in a hundred lineups have them in none no together, right? You could have pitcher A in 50 and pitcher B in 50, and that's 50% of each. You could have pitcher A and pitcher B both together in 50 of your lineups, and then the other 50 have neither of them together, right? Still 50% of your lineups have pitcher A and 50% of your lineups have pitcher B. So, like if you're just going by exposures, you'd never realize that that. Either those two players are highly correlated to each other in lineups or not at all. So like in the first instance, 50% pitcher A is in 50%, pitcher B is in 50%, but they never overlap. The portfolio correlation matrix would show that the R is zero. Mm -hmm. Even though you have 50% of each, they're never in a lineup together. The other situation, you'd have an R of one. Be like, you have 100 lineups, but pitcher A and pitcher B are of a correlation of one, which means they're in every lineup together. So you're able to see that type of stuff. It could be pitcher A in this shortstop. It could be in basketball. These two, these, the Thomas Bryan and Deontay Murray happen to be like, you're playing 20 lineups and 15 of your lineups have both of those two guys together. And you're like, well, do I want all of my lineups or most of my lineups to have these two or do I want to separate them out a little bit more? That's something you could check with the portfolio correlation matrix. But the other thing that you could do with it is run other people's projections, aggregate projections, run common construction types, and then build out 300, 1,000 lineups and go through and go, what is the field? Gonna A lot of people that have this guy are overwhelmingly going to have this other guy in the lineup also. Or this, or if you're going to pay up at point guard, you're going to have a lot of cheap centers. You know, they, they, they're very much correlated to each other. And once you, if, especially if those two players are over-owned, you'd be like, well, this is something I want to do less of. Right. And if you maybe less up to the point where you don't want to have any, and that's when you set up like a group that says like, don't play this guy and that guy together. You could still have, you could still play plenty of both of those guys. But since you're not playing them together in common constructions, you're now playing still similar projected and similar own lineups, but combinatorically, they're not as owned together. So that's the purpose of that tool. And from an efficiency standpoint, good luck trying to do that on your own right. in 100 lineups, right? I mean, like, good, good luck trying to do that on your own. It's for efficiency. It's something you can figure out on your own. You can. It just takes long. And that's right. That's so isn't really, that the purpose of the tool? Yeah, that's a really hard thing to do too. So a lot of the time, because I don't build that many lineups. So when I build tools, usually I have myself in mind of people who are not building a whole bunch of lineups. Now, building out these tools with Jordan was a nice perspective because Jordan plays more lineups, right? Like, 
and and Jordan now nowadays you're playing less lineups your portfolio is usually less than 50 lineups but beforehand you know you you have the perspective of somebody who builds out a whole bunch of lineups so that's where this knowledge using portfolio correlation matrix uh like I would not have thought of this because I can look at five or six or seven lineups and be like I have way too much of these two pictures together I need to split them up but I if you if you want to do I want to highlight the fact that you can do that it's just a matter just, of and I was just going to say, too, oh. that, like, it's not right or wrong to do this this way. Remember, the idea is to build out lineups that fit your preference and the way that you think the slate should be attacked. If you are okay with having 50% of two different pitchers and having them all in the same lineups together and have an R of one, that's fine. Like, do your thing. Build your portfolio. A lot of people, a lot of people, James, a lot of people, what ends up happening is they don't realize it. Right, that's the what point. ends up happening that's is point. that it's an MLB slate, and it's like, well, I played pitcher A and pitcher B both in fifty percent of my lineups, and then they go, well, pitcher A just put up like fifty-eight points, or you know, some they pitched a perfect game, and it's like, well, I have half this guy, so th I should be great, but the and other fifty percent guy precisely. got killed, and it's like, oh, they're all in the same lineups together, and I didn't like, I didn't intend on, and if you intended on it, that's one thing, but a lot of times it's. A lot of times it's like uh, the pitcher did well. Uh, I have tons of him. And it turns out that that pitcher is only in like the stack that went off that you have 20% of just doesn't right. contain that pitcher at all because of price. Consider like the way, the way that everything worked out and you didn't realize it. And maybe you would have wanted to have a little bit more diversification between those players. Mm -hmm. And just by looking at exposures, you're not going to notice that unless you look at the actual lineups and Hey, do you want to go through every single one of your lineups? No, I'd rather just throw it in a, in an Excel tool and right. go show me, but I use it even for the, the smaller field stuff for the, the less lineups. Mm. Like if I'm building 10, 15, I still want to, I want to throw in. It's like, okay, what is the field going to do? Right. Right. And I take a look at the correlations between lineups that the field is going to do. Cause a lot of people, you, for the main purpose is a lot of times people use the tools wrong, right. right? They use optimizers wrong. They they don't do any part of this process. They go, well, I'm just going to let the optimizer tell me what to play. And it's like, that's not the purpose of tools. The other the way tools there, it, it's to the tools there as, as a hammer, a hammer and nails. And it's like, well, what do you want to build? And if, you're, right. if your answer is, I don't know, you tell me what to build. What is the hammer and the nails going to do? It's like, no, tell me you're building a bookcase and let's let's build a bookcase quicker than right. not having a hammer or a nail. So I think that's the main purpose of tools, no matter what you build. I don't I don't believe, James, anything that you build and you build a lot of tools even outside of theory of DFS you build for for your pay dirt. None of those tools are like you press a button and you get an answer, right? Like, no. like, and then like this is the this is the solved problem, and and you're good, and that's it. No thought required. I think that they're the the most recent tool that I built, and I see a couple questions in the chat that we'll get to towards the end of this after we're done like talking through this stuff. So don't don't worry about that. We're not ignoring it. Um, the most recent tool that I built there's it's an NBA pivoter where like you can look. And it's using paydirt projections right now, but soon I'll be able to have an upload into it so that you can see with your own projections too. But you can pick a player, like say TJ McConnell has been somebody who I've been running recently. Um, and I usually will look at the chalk, but you look at TJ McConnell and you enter him in and then you say how many points plus or minus you want away from him and how many... Uh, how much salary you want plus or minus away from him. So if he's 6,000 and projects for 30 fantasy points and you say three points up and down, then it'll look for players that are within 33 to 27 fantasy points and $300 from 5,706, 300, right? So you run that and then it'll tell you, okay, well, here's a list of players that you could pivot to and their ownerships and everything like that. And it actually simulates out what um, those, what all that players are. It develops a range of outcomes table for it, right? So that uh, very simple, essentially what it's doing is similar to the lineup simulator we have right but just so with those players player. in in the in that range right exactly so it'll do that and and that's really powerful for nba because if you do that and say with tj mcconnell like tj mcconnell was 5700 and projected for like 38 fantasy points the other night and so if you put him into the port into this pivot finder 
nobody is even close, right? So that is somebody who that's probably the only tool I think that I've built in recent memory where it like, if there are literally no other pivots to this incredible value, then I think that that gives like a pseudo answer of you should just play this guy. But the vast majority of the time when you build a tool, all it's doing is saying, hey, how do you want to build? Let's make that a little bit faster. Let's make your process a little bit more efficient. So that instead of spending an hour, you can build out a suite of tools that makes it so that you can now spend just 10 minutes on, right? And I think that we achieved that really well with Theory DFS in the tools that we put together took your MMA process, Jordan, your specific process from like 45 minutes down to like 15. And that's awesome because that is one ROI on your time investment. And two, it makes it so that you can react to things quicker and you can make it so that you can handle a bunch of other things quicker. Um, if you're playing, say that it's like Sunday and God forbid you're playing the esports slates, but say that you're playing all of the different esports stuff and you're playing NFL and you're playing NBA, right? Like you have all of these different things going on. If it takes you 45 minutes per sport, you're not going to be able to handle all of it. But if it takes you five to 10 minutes per sport, then you can manage all of that stuff, uh, in a, in a more efficient manner. So I, I think that most of it you nailed at the beginning is, is about efficiency, but it is also mostly about taking your process and the thing that you want to do and the lineups that you want to build and achieve and making it so that you can do that more effectively. And there's no right or wrong answer in how you want to build the lineup, but the tools are there to make it so that you can build them faster. But even from an accuracy standpoint, a lot of times this season in NFL, I'd look through and go like, this game is going to be really low owned and you know, it has a low total or whatever. And I'll just go through and I'll like lock in, a lock in lineups with like a three plus one or something type of stack and then run 300 lineups and then throw them in the portfolio trimmer for theory DFS and see what, what, what are the under owned and over owned players that have to be part of those lineups to keep the projection as high as possible. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I get to a point where it's like, yeah, the only way that, 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 that this three plus one is viable is if I jam in all the chalk and then yep. I have to decide out of my 18 lineups that I'm playing on this slate, do I want to spend one that looks like this? And then sometimes I come to the, sometimes there's better opportunities and I go, nah, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to waste the lineup here. You know, jam, jamming in the one-off Garrett Wilson and the one-off David Montgomery chalk or, right. Cause that's the only, if I don't jam in that chalk with this stack, like the projection just goes down too far yeah. for the, for like the spy or power sweeps that I've been. And then, but I'm doing that more accurately rather than just go, well, I want this, so I'm just going to play it. It's like, well, no, let me let me inspect this further. And then sometimes I get and like, oh, no, I could play with the portfolio when, using the smart trim function in the portfolio trimmer. I'm like, wow, I actually could play lineups with this contrarian stack and still not have to jam in all the mm -hmm. chalk. Like, like, yeah, one or two pieces, but I could still have a good combinatorial ownership outside of that, that I'm not just, you know, I'm not playing 30% on guys in the rest of my, I, yeah, I'm not playing like 1% on guys, but because the stack is low owned, but I'm inspecting those types of considerations or strategic considerations use, using the tools so much quicker. I could do it in lineup HQ. I could build 300 lineups and then manually go through and go, let me, let me get rid of this lineup and that lineup. And let me see what the exposures look like. Oh yeah. I'm getting a lot of Christian McCaffrey in these types of lineups. You could do all of that. That's what I used to do. Mm -hmm. I used to do all of that. I mean, that's the main thing. I used to do all of that to come to these conclusions of what types of lineups do I want to play? Which, what are my candidate lineups? Because you could play tons of lineups. And then which ones that I want to go with on this given slate? Like, But that would normally take me like 45 minutes to an hour, yeah. right? Now it takes me five to 10 minutes. I mean, like depending on the sport, I'm expecting going into MLB season, James, that... I mean, I six, you know, six thirty Eastern, like easily done by seven, and and I'm done, and like that's 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 MLB DFS for the entire day, just thirty minutes max. I mean, and I'm it could probably be even short, probably six fifteen minutes, yeah, or something like that, especially on larger slates if I want to build out bigger portfolios and stuff like that. Like if 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 I'm doing like my three lineup type of process with the double up lineup, the triple up three X five X lineup with the, I mean, I'm trying to set up something in Excel to kind of use the lineup simulator to 
to choose the lineup that I'm going to do for the three oh, dude, X five. I've got something for you coming this MLB season for that. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I want because obviously the the double up lineup is going to be just basically meeting optimal. So like that's mm-hmm. that's a one that's that that that's two seconds. I'm going to play that no matter what. But it's that three X five X lineup and the single entry lineup where it's like I I I need a way to basically convert ownership plus projection and go like how much projection am I giving up and how much ownership am I gain am I losing mm-hmm. and give me like. Like within a certain range, whatever the best proportion of that is, without giving up that much projection, right? Because I'm not, I'm still only giving up maybe, maybe five points in projection at max. And then show me like, like show me the, show me the 10 lineups that, that fit that parameter the best, which I could use the portfolio trimmer for. But I want, I want, I almost wanted the lineup simulator and the portfolio trimmer kind of almost in one tool. Yeah. Kind of show me that at once and then eliminate trim out the lineups that don't fit the right proportion of ownership. And then it probably leaves me with like, yeah, play one of these four lineups. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, okay. And then at that point I could just close my eyes and pick. One. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really excited for baseball season for all of this kind of stuff. Um, I, I think that the portfolio trimmer was built for, for baseball. Basically uh, it's like a perfect tool for it. Um, the other thing, and, and this is, you know, blasphemy coming from a degenerate here, but uh, I like to use the tools to decide if I'm going to play a slate or not. Um, like yesterday, I used the tools and I, I was trying to build out and I was talking through my thoughts in the Discord. And I was like, okay, yeah, I mean, I want to fade Christian McCaffrey here because I knew that Christian McCaffrey's going to be like a million percent, right? Um, and I, I used the tools and I was building out and I was like, okay, what's the best lineups that I can build here without Christian McCaffrey? And I went through on the portfolio trimmer. I went through a, a, on the lineup simulator and I'm looking through and I'm like, all these lineups suck. <laughs> it was only it. a two-game slate, though, right? It, yeah, but it was so hard. Like I, I like to use the tools to try to see if there is leverage that I can gain that I'm okay with, for the most part. Like it's I'm okay feeling uneasy here and there. But yesterday, like the process that I would usually go through is okay. I'm gonna build a bunch of lineups without Christian McCaffrey. And I'm going to see what the projections are and, and what ownership looks like. And I'm going to see specifically if thematically the lineups make sense in terms of giving me ceiling production from the rest of the players. Cause I do care about that in NFL and the lineups with Christian McCaffrey one projected like nine points better than all these lineups just to start. And then after that, you're looking at the lineups and you're like, Oh, okay, cool. So I have Patrick Mahomes with Isaiah Pacheco and Miles Sanders and then like three other Eagles players that doesn't make, it just didn't make sense. So using the tools when I was building out, it, it lets me look at after I've trimmed out and I have like 30, 35 lineups to look at, I'm looking at these lineups and I'm like, I don't know if these are the lineups that I have for the slate based on my process, I'm not touching the slate. So I didn't play yesterday and it felt great because I, I didn't have to deal with it. The, the lineups that I would have played yesterday we're going to be Eagles and San Francisco stacks. So I'd have gotten shot one way or another. And, and I like using that process to decide if I'm going to play or slate or not, because contrary to popular belief, you don't have to play every slate. You don't, you don't have to play every slate. You don't have to play every slate. If you think that you don't have an edge that you want to be able to exploit, you don't have to play that slate. I tell people that all the time, especially in baseball season, because baseball season can beat you down into the ground. If you go on like a three-week losing streak, you are out of your mind and you're just tilted for the rest of the season. So it's good to take slates off. I, I think it's good to take slates off. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No, to me, NBA is where you take the slate. I'm to me, I'm taking t- seasons. I'm taking the whole season. Oh, no, 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 NBA, I'll care because as soon as we get into what happened last night, or actually, no, it wasn't last night. It was... Uh, who was it? It was um, Max Struss, I think, goes for a career high at like eighty fan, at like eighty percent owned or something after averaging like 0.6 fantasy points per minute. After that, I was like, "Cool, I'm done." So I don't take slates off in NBA because I know that about midway through January, there's going to be a slate that happens where something so stupid and tilting happens that I'm just done, and that and that's all. Let's get to some questions in the YouTube chat. If you have any questions about. The purpose of tools or anything about what James does with the tools. Mm-hmm. Julio, Julio G asks, is it possible? Is it possible? I mean, I'm assuming it's possible to build a portfolio correlation matrix for three players. Cause we do it for two. We'll show you Absolutely. two by two. Yeah. So, uh, yes, it is, but, um, not in Excel, not really like, you I could do it. No, I mean, it. obviously, you could do it quickly in Python, but I mean, in Excel, it would it would take too long. It it would be so. There's two things here. One, in uh, in Python, I can run. I can just run a combinatorics equation, right? Like, I, it's it's not that hard in, in Python. But in Excel, uh, the way that I had to set it up, and and the way that the portfolio correlation matrix is built, is it is creating a table based on transposing the different players within your entire portfolio, right? So it's pulling in all the uniques um, and then it is building out and transposing those and then building a table of all the players next to each other, right? So first off, when you do that with two players, uh, that's, that's okay. That's not the biggest deal. But when you do it with three players, now you have that extra layer. And I don't know if you guys have ever tried to run more than like, 500 lineups in portfolio correlation matrix it can take like five minutes because the math is like pretty brutal and you have to brute force a lot of it because excel is dumb um if you were to do three players i think just doing a portfolio of like 250 players probably take like 10 minutes or something And, and it just it just doesn't make sense from the time investment standpoint sure you could do it but uh the, the 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 energy expenditure for it just is not worthwhile. Like we, it, what are you I was gonna say? I was gonna say instead of that, in inside the tool, there's a table that that it's called variance factor. Mm-hmm. Now you now James made variance factor as far as these are the players that contribute the most to this portfolio, which means like if you're gonna root for people, the ones with the highest numbers are the ones that are in most of the lineups. But the people that are at the top of the list are most likely in the lineups together. So like the highest, if you have, if you have in the portfolio correlation matrix tool as part of theory of DFS, if you have, you know, a player with the variance factor 0.35, another one 0.33, another one 0.28, another one 0.24, and then the next one is like 0.10. Yeah. And then 0.08, like those top four, most likely those four players are going to be in a lot of lineups together or three of the four players are going to be a lot of lineups together. So you get that information on, are these three players in a lot more lineups? And you may have 30% of some other guy and their variance factor may be like 0.08, which basically means that, yeah, they may be in 30% of your lineups, but they're not, in as many lineups with all these other people at the top that your whole portfolio is not as the variance of your portfolio is not all as dependent on that one player. So the variance factor table in that tool is not necessarily built based on exposure, but based on your total portfolio, you know, like, like the the success of your entire portfolio based around the highest variance factor players. So you can almost use that as a proxy of, well, if there's there's three or four players heavily towards the top of that list, you could pretty much say that those three or four players are probably in lineups together with one another. It also kind of comes down to like, 
if you if so much of DFS these days is about one v ones and two v twos, that a three v three thing to to measure that out is like you're if you use a three v three correlation matrix, I think you would end up just rebuilding your entire portfolio to the point where you would miss out on a lot of what you built in the original one. It, it would just it would reset so much of what you were doing that it would almost only be useful if you were building like a really large field portfolio and you were accepting a lot of variants. So I, I don't think it would be necessarily all that useful. And definitely not useful for the time in Excel that it no, would take. Absolutely not. No, but, right. because think about it, like in, in NBA, especially, right? Like you get news 12 minutes before slate locks. And like, if you wanted to try to run something with a, with a three person portfolio correlation matrix, like, it's done after a lock. <laughs> no, the, the, even the regular one, I wouldn't do. I mean, it's yeah, it, even, it, even waiting it. three minutes or something. I, I'm yeah. not. It's hard, right? Matt Mears asks uh, a while back. James talked about using a quote staircase method for systematically estimating ownership for smaller contests using the large field projections. Any chance this becomes a new tool for theory of DFS? Um, probably not for theory of DFS, but it is something that I think would be cool to add as a tool over at Paydirt. Uh, so like, if you guys haven't checked out Paydirt, but I have a whole bunch of tools over there and I continue building cause that is my site. Um, and, and I do like taking on these kind of like considerations and, and, uh, ideas from the community, because I, I think that, again, I'm a man of the people. I build things for people to find more efficiency, right? Like that's what I like to do. So uh, something like that, I think if you wanted to be able to upload ownership projections and say, here's the size of the contest, blah, 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 I would have to do a lot of back testing on it, but I think it'd be kind of a cool thing to build out. Um, as well, what, is the, what is the staircase method? So uh, I think I talked about it on the show. Um, when you take in ownership projections, a lot of them are built for the largest field contests, right? And trying to build out something for, say, the spy or um, like 555 or something like that, those ownership projections don't really work out very well because they're more condensed uh, in the smaller fields, right? So what I do is I kind of do, um, I, I guess we could call it an exponential weight where the players that are higher owned based on a certain threshold then begin to gain more and more ownership as you go up. So if a player is if the highest owned players projected to be 45% owned in large field contests, then they're going to get the largest exponential bump up to something like 70% owned in small field. And then if there's like another cohort of guys that are like 30% owned, all of them are probably going to be bumped up to between 40 and 50%. And then as you go down that, like that, that exponential weight is going to be less and less. So then the guys that are projected to be like 10% owned, if they're well below the average, say the average ownership, of a player is going to be like 15%. If you have a cohort of guys in the 10% range, those guys then drop into like the 5% range. So it kind of, it, it spreads out based on the average. I, I call it a staircase because it's easier to understand and like to think about the way that, that works, but it's actually exponential. It just gets parabolic. Um, when, well, when I, ca I call it a bar. I call the, I call it barbell. I don't know if that that's the correct way to think about it, but I think that barbell wise, Mm -hmm. That in smaller field contests, in higher stakes contests, you know, typically which are smaller field, that the ownership, if you're using large field ownership projections, if you compare to large field contests, that the chalk will be chalkier. Yeah. The low owned players will be even more like the 1% owned players will be almost not owned. Yeah. And the middle isn't going to change much. Right, so like exactly. when you said that average, it's like what if the average player ownership is 10% on a player, like anything that's around like between like, like in the large field contest, if we see like eight to 12% owned players, they'll probably be eight to 12% owned also in small field, but a 5% owned player in large field will be like 2% owned yeah. in small field. Like, like, and the guys that are like, like, 20% owned will be like 26% owned, but the, the high owned guys, the 45% owned guy, maybe 70%. Right. Like, yeah. like it is exponential, but as far as which players it affects, it looks more like, like, like you said, parabolic. It's yeah. like, once you get closer to the, the average ownership, those kind of players in the middle don't really change that much. It's really a lot of the, the ownership come from the, the heavily chalky players 
comes out of like all of the low owned players at once because like in large field, you may find someone that's like 0.75% owned. They're literally unowned Yeah, in the small field. Or you find someone that's 1.5% owned and they're like in like one lineup. Yeah. Like they're 0.07%. Like, like, so all of that little ownership here is typically just going all the way to the top, all the way to the top, mm-hmm. all the way to the top. And then that kind of the mid range doesn't change all that much. Yeah. So if you're, if you were to visualize it in, in like the, the application of this and like the way that I do it, cause I do it for NBA projections and for um, NHL projections over at Pater. Uh, when, when you're considering the size of the contest, if you're looking at like the normal large field of being just like that diagonal, right? Like linear, then you just kind of like, as you start to get smaller, you start to kind of like widen it out and then eventually become like super parabolic, like where the, the average players and the average players at that point, the ownership doesn't even matter. Like at, at that point in small field, you're pretty much just looking at, okay, who are the top six to 10% owned players? And like, those are the only guys that you're really going to be caring about when you're making decisions on the slate. And we've talked about that a lot. We talk about that in theory DFS of, um, making decisions based on the most valuable portions of the slate. That's where it really becomes valuable in, in projecting out small field ownership. Right, right. Because James, because people ask me all the time that like I do my, people would pay for my ownership. And I go, I can't really sell my ownership because I'm not changing like every play. I'm like, like, like I'm number one, I'm doing it purely by judgment, human judgment. Yeah. And number two, I'm not changing everyone. Like, like you said, I'm changing like, Half the players in the player pool, I'm not even considering. So, like, right. I'm not going to uh, – this guy going to be 2% or 3%. It's like it doesn't matter to me. I just get rid of him. It's a matter of it, this 32% on guy in large field. I think he's going to be, like, 48% in small. Okay, that changed. Yes. Did like, the highest on guys, and then, like, what's at the, the bottom? Like, where does it start going where the 6% on guy becomes a 2% on guy? And I may change a whole bunch. And I, I may just do it in bulk and just go – well, six goes to two and five goes to one and five. And then I'm at the bottom of the playable list. Like the only players left in my player pool, I may only have like for NBA, mm-hmm. I may only have like 32 people that are even viable for me to play anyway in yeah. small field. And then it's like, okay, once I adjust these guys, mostly the main guys, and then like I just rip off a bunch from the low and then I'm done. Right. So yeah. it's like, like what, what can I really give you? There's that like, I'm using that concept, but what uh, what Matt is talking about is is uh, the ability to do that more efficiently exactly. and more accurately. Yeah. Yep. And, and like the the other thing, and then we'll we'll move on to to the next portion of this. But the other thing is is don't ask one v one or two v two questions about players that like don't matter. <laughs> and when I say that, I mean. If you're asking me a 1v1 or 2v2 about two players that are both going to be like 8% owned and project within like three points of each other. Throw, throw dude, a dart against the board. Mike Tyson, literally whatever choice you want to make. Like the those players, the, the outcomes there, obviously the outcomes are going to be consequential of how your lineup finishes. But in terms of the process to which one you choose, that it doesn't have any effect on the leverage that your lineup gains. It doesn't have any effect on the correlation that your lineup gains. It doesn't have any measurable effect on the projection that your lineup gains or loses. If if you're going to ask a 1v1 or a 2v2, it needs to be able to uh, have an effect on how good of a lineup you are making in a, the size of the contest that you're in. So if you're in a really large field contest and you're asking a 1v1 or a 2v2, it had better involve one of the highest popular players on the slate or a 1% owned player that you think is good. Like, give me those barbells. Give me those edge cases. Um, if you're in small field, same thing, but it needs to be even more extreme, right? Like, you need to be asking me, do I want to play this 45% on guy or this 30% on guy? Because like those guys actually matter for that contest. Um, but otherwise, like don't think too much about it. it it's well, I think getting away from thinking about DFS as 1v1s and 2v2s is 
I mean, the main thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. But like, you're, you're still, you do have to make those decisions up and down. Like, like if you have five lineups, you do absolutely have to make sure that you are making decisions about these different guys that like you have to, um, just don't waste the time. on Like after you have built out a lineup, you have like seven players in your lineup and you've come down to the last two or whatever. Yeah, but that's not a way to that. Don't, don't, don't perpetuate that. I won't let you. Well, let, let me get to the end of this. Okay. If you have like seven players and you get down to the last two and you are trying to make these decisions on what the last two are going to be, if they are not super high owned or super low owned, like the decision that you're making likely doesn't matter that much. Like just go off the projections and you'll be fine. That, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, it, it, because the rest of your lineup probably already, you have already built in however much leverage or however much relative value or however much projection you're going to have based on the bulk of your lineup. So those last two players, like you spend too much time on it and it, it, and it likely doesn't matter that much. Is that what you my, my attitude is? You never get to that point to begin with because you never, I'm never, I'm never, I, James, I am never looking at player slots. You aren't, but a lot of people are, and I'm. Yeah, but that's what that's what I'm trying to teach. Stop looking at player slots. Look at lineups. I look at lineups. So I have all the slots in front of me to begin with. So there's nothing for me to. Do I play this guy or this guy? Who's left in my line? There's nothing. There's never anyone left in my lineup. I'm only looking at full lineups, and I could look. Maybe the two lineups I'm look. James, maybe the two lineups I'm looking at are a two v two difference. But I'm not just sitting there with like. Like a, a six-player lineup in NBA going, what two slots are left? Like, no, nah, man, you're I missing fit? the point because you build with an optimizer. Well, that's what you should be doing. It's yeah, more but efficient. But there are there are plenty of hand builders out there. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. If you, you build with an optimizer, hand, obviously, by a lineup. if if you build with an optimizer, obviously you are not deciding on the last two two players in your lineup because the optimizer already built it. But if you're hand building, you do have to make these decisions. No, you don't. You just, you, you have to do. think of it holistically. You, you can't, you can't take seven players and then just have it auto-fill in the last two players. That's not how this fill works. In, fill in and make whatever lineups you want by hand That's and then choose between those. That's what I just said. I said okay. the last two players don't matter that much. Right, but people get too wrapped into like, well, I, well, I got, I got 6,300 left in my utility. Who should I play? Like, if, you, if, if you're asking that question, then you're playing wrong. Like, then... You're not thinking about lineups. You're thinking too much about players. Right. Just play the one that projects the best because the rest of your lineup already built in the leverage and the relative value for the entire lineup. That's what I said. Listen, Jordan. Listen. No, but you shouldn't get to that point where you're doing that anyway. Okay, hand builders out there in the audience. You can listen to what I just said. If you build an optimizer, obviously don't listen to what I just said. Well, that's why, What is isn't the point of the show the purpose of tools? Yeah, yes, yes. The purpose of tools, the purpose of an optimizer, so you don't get into those situations where you're going, oh, do I play one v one? You you said the downfall of like is spending too much time on one v ones and two v two. You know how you spend the least amount of time on them? By you build all your candidate lineups with the with the lineup builder, like you could get on Roto Grinders. If you're a premium member, click on the link on the description, get ten dollars off your first month, and you don't have to worry about it anymore. There you go. That's exactly right. See, uh, conscious machine 413. So, the guys that I felt good about not playing were in the millionaire maker top spot. Did I realize this? I'd be crushed. Do you know how many times I have considered players that have won people millions of dollars? I've been playing for 10 years, nothing crushes me anymore. Right. <laughs> also, it's not about players, it's about lineups. Oh, yeah, the players I would have played, yeah, four of them, but you still need to make more lineup. I mean, right. like, that's... I, I would not have built the million maker lineup last night. I would not, absolutely not. Right, because you would have had Brock Purdy and well, I had Jalen Hurts. I think I I was specifically trying to build around Jalen Hurts, and I did like Patrick Mahomes just because I knew that he was going to be low owned off the ankle injury. But um, oh, like I think I would have done okay, but I didn't really have a chance to take down GPPs last night. I, I would have been I would have been on the wrong. You combos. have to be perfect. I mean, come yeah. on. I, I'd have been on the wrong combos, and that's fine. So anything else about the purpose of tools and uh, people can find obviously the tools that, that we've mentioned most of them in the theory of daily fantasy sports for advanced players, pick that up at theory of It also call it comes with 10 chapters of audio. I mean, like it's not just the tools. It is an audio course. It's the advanced audio course. I would obviously suggest you take the fundamentals masterclass first. That's 15 hours. I had to think like a professional DFS player before, you know, if, if you're used to, if you're, if you're already building with a lineup builder, if you already understand, you know, 
DFS concepts like correlation, leverage, what projections are, all that type of stuff. Like maybe then you could go directly to the advanced players course, but you're going to need to know the concepts first before you can apply them. So you can pick that up at theoryofdfs.com. And uh, James, your 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 additional stuff is at is at paiderdfs.com. Yeah, yeah, paiderdfs.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter at paider underscore dfs. I, I'm building out a lot of really cool stuff for baseball. Uh, I plan to have a lot of really cool like stacking tools and and uh, I already mentioned a portfolio simulation tool, which is going to be really really cool. So I, I'm really excited for baseball to come back and um. At NBA, I have some really cool stuff over there, but we're getting into the part of NBA that just like I don't even like all, all of NBA sucks. God, yeah, but especially after we hit February, dude. You um, said that every year, so but bad. then the beginning of the season happens and 17 teams are already tanking. I have enjoyed I always enjoy NBA up through the middle of January. Like I said at the beginning of this. And then as soon as that something happens, middle of January happens, and I'm just like, I'm out. And we got uh, got what fifty eight days till baseball, I think. Yeah, pretty close. Something pretty like close. That. I'm pretty excited for it. Right. And programming, oh, by the way, uh, yeah, you won't be back for a while here. That February is going to be off and on. February, okay. Just as a programming note, there'll be a show tomorrow, but then there won't be a show till next, the following Thursday. I am going on a a cruise, so I'll be gone for a week, right? And then also in the middle of the month, there's going to be the NBA All Star break. And that's kind of like there's not much going on. So, you know, Steve and Devin, I don't want to make them wake up, wake up early in the morning to do a show when there's like no basketball slate or nothing going on. So there's going to be a couple of days where there's no show then also. So they'll be, you know, you'll, you'll always hear me on the, the day before going, ah, there's no show until whenever. And then people will DM me 14 times. Where's the show? Today? If you don't see a thumbnail, that means there's no show that day. So, so James said there won't be a Monday show for like a month. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a big bummer. I'll probably do some live streams over the next month. Cause I'll miss it. Like this, this is how I start my week. You know, like I, I like the Monday show. So you don't start your week on Sundays, like on the calendar. No. Why would I do that? Insane people do that. Yeah. But it's, it's the first day of the week on a normal calendar. It's right? not Sunday. the first day of the week. It's that's, that's insane person stuff. And the, the first day of the week is Monday. Absolutely. Every single Their week. week ends their ends of the week. So that means it starts on Sunday. No, the the weekend goes from Saturday to Sunday. That is a weekend. Oh, okay. So it's oh, so weekend. It's Saturday, Sunday, and that's the end of the week. How else not would you end? Not the end, plural of the week. Not the no. weekends. No, it is the weekend. Nobody says it's the weekends. It's the weekend. The weekend. Okay. Right. How <laughs> come that? How come calendars start with Sundays? Because Julius Caesar was a cuck. I don't know, man. Like, because it doesn't make any sense. Like Sunday. No, I, no, like, I agree. Conceptually, I agree with you. But yeah. why then? Why does calendars have Sundays and Saturdays? Uh, we still have daylight savings time, Jordan. Time is a construct. Like is, Sunday the cal- was was the calendar invented by by like DraftKings changing their like CSV format like in the middle of a season? <laughs> I mean, you I, obviously you obviously saw that. I saw you tweeting about it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty asinine. In the um, middle of a season, like why? Why even bother? Why why do that now? That there there were multiple sources at the same time in the same day that changed either their CSV export or the naming conventions on players for NBA. The same day, like in the end of January, for no reason. I I it must have been it must have been like one of the major. Um, one of the major providers of like salaries or something like that, like the, like a sports info or, or whatever. Right. It must've been them making a change that all of these different companies sweep through that use that made this change in the middle of the season. Cause I tried to run my scripts in the morning and everything shut down. It's like, no, no, no. 20 of these names don't exist. I'm like, excuse me. Because like, I've been building this list for five years and I think I have every single possible name in here at this point. And they did. They changed a whole bunch of juniors and seniors and and the thirds and second. Like it all flipped, and I had to change all. It was so that was just gross. It's so stupid. I you should be sent to prison directly for that. <laughs> Direct like no. Good trial. thing you don't you don't have to deal. You don't do any soccer stuff, right? No, no. Because uh, if you did soccer awful. stuff, you'd be you 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 you'd, you'd bow out. I 
that window in the back there and you're you'd be jumping you I, I don't care if it's on the first floor you'd be jumping out of it anyway yeah it's terrible like naming conventions are the bane of my existence and and anybody who builds models absolutely agrees with me that naming conventions that there should be a universal accepted naming convention for every single player across the internet and if you deviate you should be sent to the gallows you just uh, in soccer and james in soccer DraftKings. because remember a lot of a lot of brazilians and portuguese players have really long real names and then they have their own like soccer nickname yep, yep. dk uses their soccer nickname but uses it for first uh, a lot of the times first name and last name so the, like the, it would be like something like like Ronaldinho Ronaldinho. The worst that I have ever seen DraftKings do was during KBO, like during the pandemic when we when we were all playing Korean baseball, right? <laughs> it it was like borderline racist how many times they used the same name for these players. <laughs> and I and I understand that there's a lot of overlap in first names. I get it. Overlap and lat technically last names. Right, last names, but DraftKings would just—they had like, tw- like ten players that were all the same name, and I'm like, no, 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 like this, this, <laughs> you guys aren't trying hard enough, and I know that you're not. No, everyone knows in, in KBO as long as you have five man stack Kim, you're you're good, right? <laughs> so bad, dude. No, I saw that. I'm like, and and you'd have to go search for these starting lineups and have to. Go is this Kwan Hu's son or what? is this Kim Min's son? Like, and everyone, if you just go by it, DraftKings would go by initials, and like that wasn't even good enough. No, you had to guess at what these players' names were because DraftKings was just like DraftKings pulled a FanDuel and just said, "We're not doing that." We <laughs> don't care. Not doing that. <laughs> you you guys can go ahead and do your best, but we're not. That's not us. We're you guys can go have fun. We're not doing that for you. So you can find uh, James's tools, paydirtdfs.com, theoryofdfs.com for the courses and uh, the the Excel tools. And uh, obviously, you're going to need projections. You're going to need ownership. You're going to need a way to build lineups, right? You get that here at Roto-Grinders. Click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month for a combo premium package, which gets you all the sports, right? We've still got, what, got Super Bowl stuff for NFL, NBA, MLB, BGA. MMA, college, college basketball, soccer, Champions League will be coming back, right? With Premier League, we got everything here. So uh, join us here. You get access to our premium Discord, which includes my Blenders Game Theory channel. Come in and talk to me whenever you want. Ask whatever questions you'd like. I do two or three Zoom coaching calls per month. And uh, and uh, we got we got tons of stuff on this YouTube channel. The Scores and Odds channel for, for all your betting needs. Got tons of shows. We got NBA Grinders live coming up later today. Crunch time right before lock. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. A pretty big NBA slate tonight. And I'll be back tomorrow for for uh, more answering your DFS strategy questions, right? Like I always do here. Monday through Friday, maybe in February, maybe not so much Monday through Friday, but most of the time, Monday through Friday at 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.